And so this morning we're at Matthew chapter 7. Last week we looked at how do you know God's will for your life. We looked at five simplistic ways, not earth-shattering, groundbreaking, changing, just ways that God gives us in his word that we can know his perfect will. We looked at Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12 that, that God said, then shall you call upon me. And he said, said, you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. That, that's, that's the same thing when he said that if we would call unto him that, that he will be heard, he will be found. So our job is, is to pray. Here in our text this morning, we're in the final chapter of the three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew that all record the most extensive recording that we have of the Sermon on the Mount preached by Jesus Christ himself. And, and as we get here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Jesus simply says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. I want to look just for a little bit this morning at three things that Jesus says about prayer. Father God, thank you so much, God, for being so good. God, I thank you for your sweet, holy presence in this place. I thank you, God, that you have always been faithful, and you always will be. You can never fail, God. It is not within your capacity. Of all the attributes of God, the one thing that is not included is failure, God. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for your promise. I thank you for your forgiveness, God. I pray you'd forgive us now of everywhere that we failed you, God. Lord, I pray you'd make me a usable vessel in your hand, God, if there'd be anything that would hinder your Holy Spirit from using me, Father. I pray that you'd forgive it in the blood of Jesus, Father, that, that you might use me, Father. I pray that you'd speak to us, your people, God. I pray you'd remove all hindrance and all doubt and all things, God, from this place that you might teach us something. I pray above all, may you be pleased with everything we do in this place. We love you, Father. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Prayer is our source of communication with God. Last week, I, I shared with you about my 4 a.m. conversation prior to the message without God as I, we were talking about the TVs. It's amazing. Twice this week, I have seen something that involved a 13-inch television set sitting on a stand. It's amazing the little things God can do to take you back to remind you some things he's trying to teach you, right? It's amazing the little simplistic stuff that God can put there in mind. But this is what he taught me at 4 a.m. last Sunday morning. And in our conversation, it's just all about communication. It doesn't matter how big your set is. It doesn't matter what, what uh, uh, HD capacity it has or 8K screen resolution. It doesn't matter what your phone is capable of. It doesn't matter if your phone is the latest and greatest. If it is not communicating with the tower, it's useless. But if it is in constant communication with the tower that sends information, if it is in constant communication with the source of its strength, y'all with me? Your phone, the source of its strength is that tower. Your phone's just a device. And as long as it's communicating, everything is possible. But when you take away the communication with the sending tower, it becomes useless. That's what prayer is for you and I. It is communication with the sending tower. It is communication with the one that can answer your question. You ask your phone, you ask Siri anything that you want to ask her, and if she ain't connected to that tower, she's going to be, duh. 
But because that is where their source comes from. God is our source of strength. God is our source of answers. God is our source of security. God is our source of provision. God is our source of health. God is our source of information. It's all about God. And prayer is simply communicating with God. So Jesus gives us some information this morning on some instructions on communicating with the Father. He tells us that we are to ask, we're to seek, and we're to knock. Now, that's three very different words. And they have three very different meanings. Ask simply means to request. It is to seek to obtain by words, to petition someone for something by spoken words. You get to seek, it's a little more aggressive. It means to go after or to advance. It is to press or to drive forward in search of. That's a little more than asking. But then you get to knock. The, ne- the definition of knock is to strike or to beat with something thick or heavy so as to knock with a club or a fist, to, to knock at a door. It says we never use this word to express beating with a small stick. It, it says it is to drive against. It's to make a loud noise, to get the attention of another. So the only reason we ask is because we desire something. And the only reason we ask someone is because we believe they have the ability or the capacity to provide what it is that that we're asking for. The greatest problem that we face in this life is not unanswered prayer. It is unprayed prayer. When we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and all God's children will, Jesus Christ will not be on trial for one unanswered prayer. But Christians will be on trial for many unasked prayers. Listen, prayerlessness is a sin. What? Prayerlessness is a sin. We are commanded to pray. You got your bulletins? Y'all like the notes on the bulletins? So if you don't like taking notes, how about write this one down anyway, because you're going to want this one. You, you don't have to do anything. If, if you're not going to keep up with that, write it down in the, in the front of your Bible. Write it somewhere. This is a quote from Adrian Rogers. You ready? The devil cannot stop God from answering a prayer. But I want you to think about that for a minute. You got anything in your life you need God to do? Pay attention. Wake up your neighbor. This is important. Do you have anything in your life that you need God to show up? You need God to do. You need a mountain. You need God to move. You need a valley to walk through. You need some kind of blessing. The devil cannot stop God from answering a prayer. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. So he will do everything he can to keep you from asking. Thank you, Adrian Rogers. That's good stuff. We are commanded to pray, Luke 18, 1. Jesus is speaking in a parable. He says that men ought always to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, a very short, simple verse. Pray without ceasing. The apostle Paul writes a letter from inside a prison, and he sends a letter to the church at Philippi. In chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. That phrase, careful for nothing, it means don't worry about anything. Be anxious about nothing. Don't be all upset and frantic and worried. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request. That's a pretty big word right there. Not your demands. He's not your genie in a bottle. He is God your Father. He knows best. And he says, let your request be made known unto God. 
He says in verse 7 that the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There is no substitute for prayer. There is no, no, none, no substitute for prayer. There is never a time as children of God that we are not to be in an attitude of prayer. When, when Jesus was in the garden, the disciples, the handful that went with him, it was late at night. They had already had the Lord's Supper. Their belly was full. They were human like you and I. They were fatigued. Jesus told them to watch and pray. What'd they do? Went to sleep. Jesus came to him in the garden and he said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me ask you a question. How many of us in here truly in our heart, I mean truly in our spirit, we want to do the will of God. We want to live a life pleasing to God. It is our heart's desire that, that we live this life pleasing to God. How many of you want to make God smile? You just want to do something pleasing to God. That, that is our heart's desire. The only problem we have is this old flesh just keeps showing up. It just keeps on pulling. Tim just talked about it. God's always been faithful. It's us. We, we think because of our unfaithfulness that God somehow might be like us. Praise God, he's nothing like us. Dale's got a quote he uses all the time. I think it's from that Rick and Bubba or somebody, whatever that radio thing is he hears. But, but the quote he uses all the time he got from them, it says, everywhere I go, there I am. Y'all get that? I mean, everywhere I go, my problem is me. Every time I turn around, it, it's all about me. Jesus does not invite us to pray. He commands us to pray. This isn't like an invitation. This is a command. He says, if you do not pray, then you will fail. That's what he said. That's what he told the disciples. One of the reasons that there's so much powerlessness in the church today is because of the failure to pray. It is of the failure of Christians to come together. It is the lack of importance over prayer meeting. It is the lack of importance over attending to come together. The Bible says that it is the effectual, fervent prayer, the effectual, the continual giving, fervent, heart's desire, gotta have, calling out, crying, begging, fervent prayer of a righteous that availeth much. It's not the casual, hey, God, will you bless me while I'm driving? Hey, God, I wouldn't mind if you did this. It is coming together in prayer, and the church is experiencing powerlessness today because the church is experiencing prayerlessness today. It's the same with the Christian. I mean, the church is nothing but, but Christians. The reason many, many Christians are living a defeated life is because of the failure to pray. Jesus says, pray, pray, ask. Why, why would he tell us to ask if he did not know that the Father would answer? See, see, prayer is a way of binding us to God. When we pray, it reminds us of our dependency on him. Everybody went to sleep somewhere between the last statement. The reason we pray is because we understand that we need God in everything. Listen, when you, when we, when I say, when we go to do something and we fail to pray before we go, you know why you don't? Because you don't think you need God in it. 
We, we can justify that however we want. But if you truly, if it's something serious and it's something big and you know you need God, you're going to pray before you go do it. But the reason you'll get in your car and drive to the store and not ask God to put a hedge of protection around you and prepare the way is because you think you know how to get there and back by yourself. You think you know how to drive. You do, but what about the nutcase you got to meet on the highway? What about the one that's drunk? What about the one that's texting on the phone? See, you think you don't need God in everything, but you need God for every breath you take. And what prayer is, is simply admitting to God, I need you in everything. Not only that, it shows God how much I depend on him. It shows God how much I believe him. It shows God how much I believe in him. It shows God how, how much I trust him. So, so let's, let's take a look for a minute at why we're not told to pray. If we back up from our text, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, but instead of Matthew 7, 7, if we back up to Matthew 6, 7, it says, When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard from their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. So, so if, if, you if you want to do your bulletin again, we don't pray to impress God. He, he says you don't pray to carry out these long sayings and over and over and make these long, loud prayers. You do that to impress men, but we don't pray to impress God. Nor do we pray to inform God because Jesus says God already knows what we need before we ever even ask. We, we pray to invite God. We pray to invite God in our situation. See, it, it's just like your salvation. Y'all with me? God knows that you need salvation. God knows that we need salvation so much that he sent his only begotten son, 33 and a half years of life, climbed up on that old rugged cross and shed his blood. He knows that we need salvation. And without salvation, we're going to die and go to hell. Amen? So he knows that we need salvation. The Father knoweth what things you have need before you ask. But he will not give you salvation until you pray. Until you say, Father, I am a sinner. I need your salvation. I need the blood of Jesus to wash away my sin. I need for you to save my soul. I need for you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> I need for you to make a way that I can cross over from death unto life, that I might come into that place into your abode and spend all of eternity with you. Salvation is needed. Salvation is provided. But salvation cannot be obtained until you pray. That's what he says. Your Father knows what things you have need of before you ever even begin to pray. Prayer is simply communication. It's talking with God. It's having a conversation not only with the creator of the universe that can do all things, but our very own personal God. So prayer is simply inviting God to intervene in my situation. Listen, God can do anything without us. We talked about it recently on a Wednesday night. God is a supernatural God that can supernaturally do anything, yet God chooses to do things through natural man. There's absolutely nothing that God can't do. You believe that? Look, look at somebody and say, ain't nothing my God can't do. So, so, so if, if we believe that, we, we know that, that our supernatural God 
chooses to use natural man. And one of the greatest ways that he works through natural man is through prayer. Has God ever woke you up in the middle of the night and told you to pray for somebody? Do you know why? Because God wants to do something supernaturally, but he needs somebody to pray naturally. Have he ever stopped you in the middle of the daytime and told you to pray for somebody? All of a sudden, you're about your business. You're all of a sudden, somebody comes on your mind, and it's like, man, I need to stop what I'm doing and pray right now. You don't have a clue. You, you don't know what's going on in their life. You may not have talked to them in a year. You may not have talked to them since yesterday. You may have talked to them five minutes ago. You have no idea what's going on in their life. All you know is God said, stop and, and pray. It, it may be that nothing's going on in their life. It may be that God just wants to bless them or God's about to protect them. We, we don't know. All we know is we're supposed to pray. I was talking about this at the hospital yesterday. Y'all pray for Miss Gooch. If you got the voicemail yesterday, Miss Gooch had a heart attack. And it's, it's very serious. The right part of the right side of the heart is dead. Um, they did some surgeries here. Not able to do everything they need. They flew her by helicopter last night up to Atlanta. They weren't able to do other procedures when they got there. They had to do some medication, some strength to get things back up. They, they've done the other procedure this morning. So since church started, I don't know how that's progressed. But in the doctor's own words, she is a very sick lady. A lot, lot of clotting, a lot of things. But we were talking about it at the hospital yesterday. It was Miss Gooch about three months or so ago. We're out there at the front of the church. I'm guessing it was Sunday morning. could have been a Wednesday night. But, but she asked me, what was going on in your life? Like if it were today, what was going on Friday at 4 o'clock? You know, it was within the past couple of days. She gave me a time, and I stopped. And I, Let's see, where was I at? Where was I at? And I remembered, oh, that was a great day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that was good. It wasn't nothing bad. She said, well, I, I know, I know at that time God specifically stopped me and told me to pray for you. I said, well, I appreciate it. That's why I had a great day. There ain't no telling what might have been going to happen. See, when God says stop and pray, just pray. Look, can, can, I, can I buy a vowel? Y'all know something I got my cast on? Don't tell the doctor. He said, I can take it off at the house if I'm not doing anything, and technically I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Ninety days ago, God told somebody to pray for me, and you didn't, and I fell off a bobcat, broke my arm, my tailbone, and a rib. Next time, will you listen? <laughs> I'm a work in progress. I take a lot of prayer. When God says pray, just pray. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God, God is very specific about prayer. Many times, all we know is God laid them on our heart. God, God said, pray. We don't, we don't know what's up. We know something's up. We're supposed to pray. Here's the beauty of it all. God's going to stop us to pray. And this is how kind and loving and gracious and giving God is. He's going to stop you to pray because he wants to do something for somebody. And when you pray, he's going to bless them immensely. And he's going to come and he's going to bless you for praying. And all you do is what you're supposed to do. And he's going to pour blessings out on you and I for it. James chapter 4, James says the same thing that Jesus says. The reason we don't have is because we don't ask. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust and war in your members? That simply means the desires of the flesh, you know, pride, envy, uh, uh, per personal ambitions. And he says you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have, you cannot obtain. You fight in war, you have not, because you ask not. A lot of people, it either crossed your mind before or it crossed your mind just now. 
You've thought it, but I have asked. I have asked. I have prayed, and I haven't gotten it. Well, that doesn't mean God's not listening. Now, number one, if you've prayed and you have no answer, God's not finished yet. If you pray, God's still listening. He's just not finished yet. Or, or number two, you may not be ready for the answer yet. See, prayer not only keeps the door of communication up with the Father, but, but prayer helps us grow. He says in verse number three, James says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. He says you ask with the wrong motives. You ask with the wrong thing in mind. You got some priorities out of order. You ask amiss it. You may consume it upon your lust. Look, when we look at people love to say, ask and you shall receive. Well, that's awesome. But that's also, when you take that and say, if you'll just ask, God will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There'll be not room enough to receive it. Listen, you got to go from in the beginning to amen to get what that means. you got to go from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. You don't get just to pick and choose the verse you want that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy and pick that out and use it as a one-liner. You, you got, that's called prosperity preaching. There's a lot of it going on. you got to take the word of God in, in context. Jesus said, ask, it shall be given. Seek, it shall find. Knock, it shall be opened. Everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. That's verse number 7 of chapter 7. But Jesus didn't stop and go verse number 1, verse number 2. Jesus just preached a sermon, okay? For the purpose of studying mankind, we put it in chapters and verses. The Sermon on the Mount isn't chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus Christ teaching. We've divided it into chapters. So if you back up, if we back up seven verses, but in all honesty, if you back up seven sentences, if we back up just seven statements in the exact same message, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. See, God wants us to ask, but God wants us to seek godly things in our life first. So prayer grows us in our faith, but, but it also it grows us in our desire to see God's will and, and not our will. The disciples, they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. They didn't ask for power. They didn't ask for the ability to do fortune telling and see into the future. They didn't ask for, for worldly deeds or a million bucks in the bank. What they asked Jesus was, teach us how to pray. He said, okay. Here you go. When you pray, you say, Our Father, which art in heaven. When you pray, you recognize God for who he is. Creator of all things. God the Father, God which art in heaven. And he said, then you say, Hallowed be thy name. You want to pray? Worship him. When you open your lips, you don't rub a bottle and say, Genie, I command. You say, Father, you recognize him for who he is. And then you start out by praising his holy name. Then he gets to the second step in the prayer, which is the first request. And, and here's the first request. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. So the first order of business when you pray is to recognize God for who he is. And then you, you praise his, his holy name. And then you get to the request. And here's the request. Father, your will be done in me. Your will be done on this earth the same way it's done in that heaven. And, but I, I may not can control everything else, but I can me. So what I'm asking is that your will be done 
in me. It has nothing to do with worldly stuff. It has nothing to do with bigger houses and nicer cars. It has nothing to do with more money and bigger bank accounts. What it has is God, your will in me. That's the second order of business. Oh, yeah, I got you a little tag on your car, don't I? Prayer has to do everything to do with God's will first. Prayer has everything to do with God's will first. Then we get to a request about ourselves. Not, not more money, not bigger stuff, but he says, give us day by day our daily bread. Well, well, God already knows we need those things. He already knows we need bread and water, but God delights in giving you what you asked for. And God delights in giving you more when you thank me for what you gave him. So he says, it's our daily bread. But then another very important part, he says, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So in our text, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Those are all present tense words. It means keep on asking. It doesn't mean ask and stop. It means keep on asking. Seek means keep on seeking. Knock means keep on knocking. Jesus gave a lot of examples about keeping on knocking. Remember about the man that came to the door in the middle of the night? What do you want? I mean, I got some company. I need some bread. Man, go away. I'm already in bed. Hey, man, I need some help. What do you want? I need some bread. I got company. Man, go away. My children are in bed. What do you want? And, and he, because of importunity. He said because of importunity, the man kept on knocking. Finally, the master of the house said, will you just here, take it? He, he says, keep on. Jesus gave that example. What that means is you just, you, you keep on knocking. You keep on seeking. When we ask, a desire is expressed. Right? That's why we ask. When you ask, a desire is expressed. But when we seek, direction is explored. See, there's a difference in asking and seeking. Asking something you want, but when you're seeking, now you're looking for something. When you ask, you come to ask for something you already know you want. When you're seeking for something, now you're seeking for some direction. James says, sometimes we don't see a prayer answered immediately because we ask amiss. Our heart may not be right. Our attitude may not be right. The, our reason for asking may not be right. Jesus, he continues on here in our text, Matthew chapter 7, after 7 and 8, he says in verse 9, What man is there of you, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? He is specifically pointing out that, that a good parent never gives something useless or something bad as a response to a request for something good. God may not answer your prayer when you ask because God wants you to seek him. We, we know that God takes care of the birds. He tells us he takes care of the birds. He says, you're much more valued than the sparrows. We know that God takes care even of the fields, the mountainsides, the grassy plain. It says that, that he dresses them with the lilies and he makes even the fields pretty. He clothes the hillside. He said even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these little flowers, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven and gone. He says that God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the mountains. Now, if, if we, back, we backed up seven sentences a while ago, right? Right? Y'all with me? We, we backed up to, to Matthew 6, 33. Back up two more sentences. Take therefore no thought, saying, What shall you eat, or what shall you drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's referring to the lost in modern day. 
For your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of, or that you have need of all these things. Then he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You can't just take, ask, and it shall be given. you got to back up some. You've got to get the context that, that our heart be right. Notice in the model prayer, he says, thy will be done. Thy will be done comes before daily bread. We, we, we don't need to be worried about filling in here until we've been filled in here. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceedeth, or every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he says, before you worry about here, worry about here. Get, get, some, get some things right here. So Jesus asked, and then he, then he says, seek. Listen, God may delay your answer. Because when we feel like, there ought to be some amens in the house right here. When we feel like our prayer isn't being answered, we begin to seek some things. That's, that's not quite personal enough yet. When the prayer is urgent, th th this isn't a bigger car. This is a car to get me to work. The prayer isn't a, a bigger bank account. The prayer is $5 to keep my lights on this month. The, the prayer isn't a T-bone steak. The prayer is a handful of rice to keep my family alive. The, the prayer is urgent, and, and when the prayer is urgent and it seems to be unanswered, we start seeking in here. What is wrong in my life? What is the sin that's in my life? What is it that I need to get out so that you can put in? See, when prayer is not getting answered, all of a sudden, we start doing things a little different. We, we start seeking what is within. I've made this statement a lot of times, but I put it in your bulletin so you can write it down. An answer delayed is not a request denied. An answer delayed is not a request denied. Andrew and I were talking about this a couple of Tuesday nights ago when we were there at the men's prayer meeting. Waiting time is not wasting time. If you're doing the right thing while you're waiting. How many saw the movie Fireproof? While I'm waiting, I will worship while I'm waiting. I will serve you while I'm waiting. Proper waiting time is not wasting time. Psalms 84 says the Lord, in verse 11, the Lord is a sun, a shade, or a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. It says no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So the answer may be no for now. But you're not ready for it yet. Anybody like examples? Anybody like seeing things? I help you learn. I'm a visual learner. I help you learn. I'll give you an example. Matt and Coral, they gave me this knife for, for officiating their wedding. It's got my name. It's got some stuff on it. it, it it's, it's, not, it's a nice knife, but there, there's two things that makes it really nice. Number one, it opens easy. But, but to be honest, it doesn't matter what a knife does if it's not sharp. Now, I cut some boxes with this one yesterday, and I've not sharpened it since, but even after cutting boxes, it's a pretty good knife. A knife that won't cut, just a pocket weight, right? So, so this knife is an extremely beneficial tool in the hand of somebody that can use it. I am not going home and handing this to my 11-and-a-half-month-old grandson. What's the first thing an 11-month-old baby does with anything you hand them? Straighten them out. They're going to handle it all over. It's all up. So if you open that and you hand it to an 11-month-old, what have you just done? 
Man, you cut him to pieces. That well, ain't enough stitches. He's going to stick in his mouth. May even kill him. So you know why I'm not going to hand it to him? It's not because I do not love him. It's because I want to protect him. I understand he's not old enough to have this now. It's not going to be long before he can talk. He already talks, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. He's telling you something. He just ain't figured out how to put it together yet. That means something to him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, y'all know, know the story. You spend about a year and a half teaching him to walk and talk, and from then on, it's just, will you sit down and shut up? <laughs> so in just a few more short months, he's going to be able to talk. He'll be able to put together sentences. And he may ask, hey, Pop, can I see you tonight? The answer is no. Not maybe, not kind of, not let's pray about it. Not we'll see. No, you can't. Now, do you think it's because I don't love him? Why would I not hand it to him in six more months? He's not ready yet. Now, the time will come that not only will he ask, the time will come, we'll be doing something, Lord willing. And I'll say, hey, man, take this knife, go over and cut that rope and tie something. The time will come. He will be old enough and mature enough. I won't just let him hold mine. I'm going to get him his own. I'm going to get him his own gun if I can keep the stinking government out of my business. I'm going to get him some stuff. When he's old enough to handle it, sometimes we ain't ready. You want God to give you something that you ain't mature enough to handle? Can, can, I, can I just plug in an example? I was figuring this week, I've been at this church about 80, 80. I feel 80. 28 years. As a member of this church, I have prayed with people in this church. I can remember on Judgment Journey Trails, I remember down here praying with people in this church, crying over it, over some stuff. I became a deacon in this church. I remember praying with people as a deacon. I became chairman of the deacons of this church. I remember praying with people. And then for whatever reason, God and his incredible sense of humor, very much at your expense, allowed me the possibility to be a pastor of this church. I have prayed with people as a pastor. At every capacity, I have prayed with people about money. Hello. God wants your attention. All he's got to do is just dribble a little bit in your pocketbook. He can, go, he can do a lot of stuff. You can persevere. If you let him get in your pocketbook, he has your undivided attention. I have prayed with a lot of people about money. I mean, people that, man, if I don't have, you know, if I don't have this much tomorrow, we're, we're going to get thrown out of the house. I can't pay my rent or I can't pay my mortgage. I can't pay my car. They're going to repossess my car. I don't have a way to work. Then how about, I've prayed with people crying, weeping, begging. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I just plug one in right here for free? If you ain't paying your tithes, you're wasting your time to beg. You, you're robbing God. So the first of the month comes, the very first thing you got to do is take care of God's first. And for those of you that have ever put a test, you know this is true. You look at it on paper, you add it up, you didn't make enough money, you can't pay your bills, and how in the world is at the end of the month my bills got paid? It's God math. And, and there are people that I have prayed with, that have begged God. And, and, and to be honest, they're not really a lot more financially stable today than they were then. But yet, this has been going on for years, and their bills are still paid. They're still in their house. They still have their car. They're still eating. They ain't lost weight. You know what I'm talking about? So, so God, God may not have put millions in the bank, but what he is doing, he's giving you what you need to get by. Let me give you another example. And I certainly ain't going to use no names, but I can tell you several came to mind when God showed me this. I have prayed with people that got promotions in their job. They may have gotten 
a better position. Some of them got manager spots. And before you know it, that new position required them to work on Sunday. And then before you know it, they're there every Sunday. Now, I'm giving you this for free. You do with it what you will. This ain't no different than the knife. Sometimes people just ain't ready to handle it. I know some people that I have prayed with extensively that are now doing quite well. I, I mean, they, they've got some big positions at some plants around here. They're doing pretty well financially. I know some people that started businesses, and we prayed with them over that business, and that business has done well, and they're doing quite well financially. I know one that has bought business. I know two that has bought businesses that were already there, and God has blessed those businesses, and they are doing quite well financially, and I have not seen them in the shadow of a church in years. Hello. Listen, let, let, me, let me help you understand. When they were in trouble, they never missed a service. Why is it so quiet in here? They were here every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every Sunday night. They were here in Judgment Journey. They were here and He's Alive. They were working with children. They were teaching on Wednesday night. They were pouring everything in. They were asking for prayer. They were coming to the altar. They're weeping all over. And once God blessed their need and met, they're, they're, they're no longer in church at all. It's not that they're not here, they're not in church. And to be honest, some of them even have comments to make about church. The church is the one that cried beside you. The church is the one that prayed with you and prayed for you. And now you want to talk about the church? Sometimes people aren't ready to handle things. I've told y'all before, that's why God won't let me have any money. He knows I can't be trusted. But y'all can look and tell he puts food on the table every day, right? Well, that, that was all free. Now I don't even know where I'm at. Some things, some things. There, there's some things that we ask for in our life that, that it may not be a sin. We're just not mature enough to have it yet. It may not be a sin. We're just not mature enough to have it yet. There are other things in a Christian's life that they pray for that is not of God. Oh, me. That's quiet. What, you've been meddling in my business? No, I'm just, I'm just meddling in my own. There are things that you, listen, you can't pray for anything that is against the already revealed written word of God. You can't pray for something in your life that you know based on this book is a sin. It doesn't matter how much you want it, how much you think you need it. If it's a sin against this book, it's a sin against God. And if you got something in your life you think you want, you can't pray and ask God to give you that if it's against, if it's against his will. you got to pray, God, don't give me what I want. Change my will. Change, change my heart to, to be like yours so that, that, that my wants line up with your wants. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw nigh unto God. He'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Let your joy be turned into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Prayer is not binding the will of God and getting God's will to fit our will. For those of you who want to do it, that's on your bulletin. Prayer is not binding the will of God and getting God's will to fit our will. Prayer is finding the will of God. So, so that God's will becomes our will. Jesus says, when you need something, ask. And sometimes the answer is immediate. Sometimes it's not. 
When you, when you desire something, you seek something. Sometimes the answer is delayed. Sometimes God may have something better in mind. Sometimes God may have to prepare our hearts before he, before he can give us what it is that he wants to see. But, but sometimes, sometimes, he says, when you absolutely must hear from God, Jesus says, knock. And just keep on knocking. Like, like the man with some company at the house needs some bread. What is it? I need something. Go on, it's late at night. What is it? I need something. God said because of importunity. Because of importunity. He, he got up and he gave that man. There's multiple examples in, in the word of God. You just, you just keep on knocking. First Kings chapter 17, Israel has sinned before God. Ahab is the king. He has led God's people astray. He has led God's people out of the will of God, the children of Israel. Matter of fact, 1 Kings 16.33 says that Ahab made a grove and that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings that were before him. So God sends Elijah to confront Ahab. And Elijah says, here's what we're going to do. It ain't going to rain at all, Period. Now, y'all know if it don't rain, grass don't grow, right? Crop doesn't grow. That, that means you let it not rain long enough, there's no food for the sheep, no food for the cows, there ain't no food for the peoples. And he says, here's what we're going to do. It's not going to rain again until I call for it. So for over three years, it don't even sprinkle. There's no dew in the morning. There, there, there's nothing wet on the grass. It is parched dry. God sends Elijah to go, to go do business. He tells him to go deal with, with Ahab. And, and y'all know the story how he goes. And he calls for the showdown with the two sacrifices. And the prophets of Baal call out and cry and cut themselves. And the fire never comes. And, and Elijah's laughing at him. And they finally get through. He says, you knucklehead done? Y'all through bleeding and beating, cutting on yourself? Watch this. And he calls on God and fire comes down from heaven, devours the sacrifice, licks up all the water out of the ditches after he had barrels of water poured over it. And then he took them 450 false prophets of Baal and he had them all killed because they led God's people astray. So Elijah went and he, he did business. He, he did what, what God told him to do. Chapter 18 of 1 Kings, verse number 1. It came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. That's after the rain, saying, Go show thyself to Ahab. I will send rain upon the earth. So uh, Elijah does what he's supposed to do. But if you drop down to verse number 42, it says that Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. He, had, he, he cast himself down upon the earth. He put his face between his knees. And then he says unto his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. He went up and looked, and there was nothing Here's what Elijah did. He fell down at the commandment of God. He prayed according to the will of God. And he asked something that was in the desire of God. And he had so much faith at that point, he told the servant, he said, go up there at the top of the hill and look. Hmm. Now he ain't going to like this. He comes back to Elijah, he says, ain't nothing there. So Elijah, he falls to the ground, he puts his face between his knees, he cries out to God, he says, go back up there and look. Hmm. 
They ain't nothing. Seven times. He, he, he falls to the ground. He comes back seven times. Verse 44, it came to pass at the seventh time, he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How many of you know you don't watch the weather? It's supposed to rain this evening. About 4, 4.30, you can look to the west, and it looks like a mountain in the sky coming. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Big old front. What does that mean? Get your house in order. The storm's coming. It's on its way. It's moving. He goes up to the top. And, and he looks, and he's like, it ain't one of them big old storm clouds out in the west. It ain't some big old dark rolling around. It still ain't nothing. Oh, a little bitty spot. That little, little, little bitty cloud. Little, Elijah, hey, there's, there's a little cloud. I mean, it's, it's like a man's hand. Hey, it's, 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 a, it's a dot up there. And here's what Elijah said. Go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot. <laughs> Get thee down that the rain stop thee not. The answer is coming. I've prayed. I don't see a big storm cloud rising, but there's a little bitty dot like a man's hand. There's a cloud. That means God is listening. My prayer is about to be answered. You, you tell him. Uh, he just kept on knocking. Jesus says, ask, seek. Knock, that means we never stop. You never stop asking, seeking, and knocking until, number one, you have God's answer in your hand. When God has provided your answer, when God has done what you ask, you stop whatever you were doing and tell him, thank you. How many of you, I know this is everybody in the house. It's happened to all of us. You've prayed and prayed. Sometimes you prayed about stuff so long, to be honest, you kind of forgot about it and quit praying about it. And all of a sudden, a year, two years later, something comes up, and all of a sudden you realize that over the subtleness of time, God has answered that prayer that you asked way back then. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, you stop and go, God, I'm sorry. You answered that so subtly, I didn't even realize it. I done quit praying about it. But God let it accomplish something in our life, and, and then he sent it. So you don't stop praying until you have, number one, the answer in your hand. Number two, you may not have the answer in your hand, but you have the answer in your heart. God has clearly spoken to you. God has clearly given you some, some instructions. It, it, it may be, wait a minute. It, it may be a time frame. It may be, no. How many of you in here, your child has ever asked you for anything and the answer was simply no? It wasn't, we'll pray about it. It wasn't, we'll see about it. I, I'm sorry. And for you parents, y'all have them. God bless you anyway. My, my three-year-old don't need an iPhone 49, whatever thing is. My three-year-old don't need a $1,500 cell phone. Can I have one? No. I don't have to, there's just some things that are no. Can, can, can I have the knife? No. No. It's not because we don't love them, right? Why did you tell them no? They didn't need it. Can I tell you as a mom and dad, you don't have to explain that answer any more than God has to explain it to you? 
My mom had a very simple answer that always worked for me because I said so. And if you dared to start to question that one, that little cut of them eyes, if you valued your life, that was a good enough answer. And sometimes God just simply says no. He told the apostle Paul no. The apostle Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He said, I asked God three times, God, will you take away this pain, whatever it was? Will you take away this thorn in the flesh? Whatever it is that Paul had, he was suffering. It was hurting. It was bothering him. It was upsetting. He said, I went to God three times, and God said no. Here, here's, where's God's answer? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, this is where our answer needs to get. When God says no, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If God hasn't told you no, then don't stop praying. If God said, said wait, then, then, then wait. You know, Father Knows Best is a lot more than just a 50-year-old television show that was back on that little 13-inch black and white. Father Knows Best is the real deal. God can see what we need and what we don't need. So God may not answer every prayer, but that's because God has very good reasons. Now, here's the truth. No matter how God answers us, we're to spend ample time saying thank you. If God... How many of you... <laughs> When you told your child no, oh, thank you so much, Daddy. Thank you so Right? That, that's us. That's us. But, but what our answer ought to be is, God, thank you. I want it. I don't understand why I can't have it. Any of y'all understand why you can't have a million dollars? I don't understand why I can't have it. But I understand this. You love me and you have my interest best interest at your heart and you have always been faithful so i'm just going to trust your no no matter what god's answer is we, we are to praise him luke chapter 12 man you guys come on up luke chapter 12 we have one of the recordings I mentioned earlier about the grassy hills, the hillside, the birds. And Jesus said that God even takes care of the ravens and all those things. And he says in verse number 29 of Luke 12, he said, Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be ye doubtful of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Verse number 32 says, Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hmm. Woo, Isaiah says it all. Chapter 64, verse 4. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for them that waiteth for him. The Apostle Paul apparently didn't have it handy right then to read it and to read it as a quote. So he doesn't get it as an exact quote. So the Apostle Paul rewords it a little bit when he wrote the letter to the church at Corinth. First letter, chapter 2, verse 9, as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Here's your last one on your bulletin. 
God is not in the withholding business from his children. God is not looking to withhold anything that, that we seriously need and God knows that we need. It is God's great delight to bless you. But it's up to us to get some things in order. It is God's great delight, truly, truly. He says it in the last chapter of Malachi. It is his, it is his great desire to open you, to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there be not room enough to receive it. It is God's abundant mercy, abundant grace, overwhelming pleasure, not just to go and prepare a place for you and come again and receive you unto himself, that where he is, there you may be. Not just an abundant afterlife in, in the presence of the Lamb of God and all the family, not just to bless you then. It is God's great desire to bless his children now, that's not prosperity preaching. It's not ask for a million bucks, go up and look in your bank, and it mysteriously appeared. It is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you can't explain the God, the things that God will do in your life. It is God's great desire to bless you. But he wants us to get some things in order. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. All these things. God's always faithful. Amazing that the choir would pick that song. <laughs> God's always faithful. He's never failed. The question is, are we faithful to pray? Or are we faithful to change the prayer if God gives us a different direction? Or are we faithful to know that I'm praying... And I'm not getting it. I keep asking and it's not happening. So I better start seeking. If I'm asking and I'm not receiving, then I better start seeking what it is that I need to know so that I can find it. Because if you seek God, you will find Him. Search for Him. Pray for Him. Seek after Him with all your heart. He said, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. You can't seek after the things of God and not find it. You cannot pray for God to show you His will and God not answer that. You cannot seek to live in the center of God's will for your life and God not answer that prayer. Well, he may not answer the million bucks at the moment. But that's because five years from now, He don't want to see you and your family out of church because the money meant more. God, Do you, do you believe that God has your best interest in mind? Do you believe that it is God's great desire to bless you? I want to ask you guys if you'd stand. Prayer is prayer. Prayer is an attitude of the heart. We pray always, all times, at all places. We should never be out of an attitude of prayer. But the altar is a great place to do business with God along with the people of God. We're all are gathered together. God says we're two or more gathered, that he's there in the midst. It's a great place to pray. It's a great place to bring that whatever it is that you've been praying that you don't have yet. It's a great place to bring that. Say, God, I'm going to leave it right here at this altar. It's a great place to bring it and say, God, if I'm asking for the wrong thing, show me what it is I'm supposed to be asking for. Show me what the direction is that I'm supposed to be seeking. The altar is a great place to pray. It's a great place to bring everything before God. So the altar is open. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't leave here today without getting that right. Father, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Save my soul. This isn't rocket science. It's the simplicity of the gospel. If you're
you're faithful to confess your sins before God and ask Him in the name of Jesus to save your soul, He is faithful and just to save your soul and to give you the kingdom of heaven. That's His book. Make sure you get that right today. If you guys pray, they're going to sing.